Welcome, welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. We're back again. Two more hours of deliciousness. Thrilled, thrilled to be here. Beth is our lone audience member today, and we are treating her like a queen. Yes. She, she's going to win all the prizes, and she is, uh, she's got hot coffee and everything. Beth is, Beth is everything to us. It's just going to make our uh, our audience motivation that much easier, Terry. Right. You only have to get one person's attention. I have to look at her when she's going. My name is Tom Douglas, and uh, Terry and I have been doing this show for quite a long time. It's called the Hot Stove Society Radio Show, and we're thrilled that you joined us. Hopefully you're in your kitchen or starting seeds for your spring garden or, or whatever you're doing, but Terry's cooking beef. If you were here in our audience today, you'd get a whole beef tasting. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, we have um, John um, Yeager is going to be here to tell us about rallying a culinary coalition for a blood donation drive for Bloodworks. Uh, super important. Yes, it is extremely important. This is a very important message, uh, very dear to everyone in the community. But let's go give blood. We need blood, so let's go give blood, please. It's a very simple matter. You go over there, someone pokes you, and you get a free uh, something to eat. So. Oh. How simple can it get? A lollipop. Terry's going to talk a little bit about his trip today, uh, the one that uh, you are hosting or going with or hosting along what? Along the Danube? Well, we have the Rhone Valley, but today we're going to talk about the one in Morocco. Oh, the one in Morocco. Oh. Uh, We're going to visit, talk a lot about uh, Ukraine today. We're going to talk about Daruni, which are Ukrainian potato pancakes. It's a tough time right now. I've um, I've been super... I don't know how to explain it. I, for some reason, this is affecting me more than a lot of things do. And I, I think it is affecting a lot of people. I mean, the uh, images and the uh, just the fact that this is actually still happening in 2022. In 2022 is inconceivable, have- after, especially after two years of this crazy COVID, get yeah. back together kind of pandemic. Uh, it just sounds unreal. Yeah. I'm a bit despondent about the whole thing. Uh, so uh, instead of sitting and wallowing in my grief... While people are getting shot, uh, we are going to do something about it. Uh, we're part of a group called Chefs Supporting Ukraine all over the world, Chefs for Ukraine, and we're going to raise money this weekend. If you're listening to our show on Saturday or Sunday, Sunday evening from four to close in all of our joints, every bit of our revenue is going to go towards the World Central Kitchen, which is Jose Andres, a favorite yep. chef of ours. Yeah, uh, passion he's, he's project. Over there. Yeah. It's a passion project for us, and we're going to feed uh, Ukrainian refugees that have made their way to all the neighboring countries, and of course, there's still plenty that are suffering in Ukraine itself, and so it, it gets me choked up when I talk about it. So we feel like we don't have a choice. It's not really what I can afford to be doing right now, but at the same time, as humans, we can afford not to do it, right? right. So, so if you want to help, someday you have to go into Tom. One any, of one of our, any one of our open joints, from 4 o'clock on, everything you spend, every penny you spend, not, not tax, the government still right. wants their tax, and the waiters still are going to make their gratuity, but everything you spend with us, like the that, revenue side of that, uh, is going to go towards World Central Kitchen. Again, thank you for your generosity, young yeah. man. So we're going to talk about, uh, in, in that vein, talk a little bit about uh, Daruni, or Ukrainian potato pancakes today. Because they are like, uh, to me, they're, potatoes are a leveler. When you look at what happened to Ireland during the potato famine, uh, they're kind of a leveler food. Uh, it's like bread, right? Right. Uh, everyone needs it, and 
they fill your belly, and so potato pancakes, we're going to do a little bit about that. And then we're going to finish up with Rub With Love Tasty Trivia Challenge, brought to you by Rub With Love Spice Rubs. My taste of the week, as we continue to get further into springtime, uh, which is only a couple of weeks away, uh, I am concentrating on utilizing the benefits of all the crops that we put away last late summer, last, well, most of the spring stuff is gone, but... So when I went into the freezer yesterday, Jackie had put away a dozen uh, of these beautiful, squat, thick-walled red peppers that were stuffed with lamb, ground lamb and rice and seasonings, and then she put some like a little cheese cube on top. And so I roasted those along with sweet potatoes last night. It's such a treat to have a little taste of something that you created back at the peak of the season. We had all these peppers trying to think of what to do with them. So this is just something we put away 36 peppers in the freezer. I'm down to four now after last night. I'm down to four peppers left. <laughs> and what's weird is I thought when I pulled them out of the freezer, I thought she had put in like a little butter pat with them so that when we baked them, you put the butter on top. Turns out it was a piece of cheese. <laughs> and as it baked, uh, you know, I put them in frozen. And as it baked, the cheese got really crunchy. And it was like the most delicious little bite on top of these peppers. So that's my taste of the week. Enjoy the benefits of your labors during harvest. Right. And uh, for me, it's just a beautiful homemade soup, uh, mainly because the weather's shifted back to uh, where we were in November. So this week, we were like, okay, let's go back to soups. Uh, beans, kale that were in the garden, the last of the kale, and uh, carrots, onion, celery, lots of celery. And, of course, homemade sausage. I have a friend of mine who gave us some sausages that he had made in his, um, in his home. And they were beef, pork, and lamb uh, together and a little spice to it. Uh-huh. And uh, cooking that sausage and then finishing the whole minestrone-like soup and then slicing that sausage and putting it in it at the last minute. Uh-huh. That was super delicious. Really good. Very healthy of a soup on a cold day. Now, this was a recipe that you're going to use next November because from now on it's going to be sunny, right? We're going back into that. <laughs> well, I just think it's interesting when you say beef, pork, and lamb. But pork is there for a reason. It's the fattiest part of that. It gives right. you the moisture. Richard Griffiths is here today for a couple of segments. And he's going to be talking about uh, ranching for beef from the Palouse River Premium Beef Ranch Company. And uh, so we're going to... That's what if you hear that noise in the background, that sizzling noise. Terry is that's cooking a good up soundtrack for a couple us to of have uh, sizzling yeah, as a little, couple of steaks from the shoulder clod. Uh, so, what Rich is going to tell us about too is the different kinds of breeds and and all the different things that he uses. I'm re- I'm really really fascinated and interested by uh, what Rich is going to tell us all about because he sounds like a very passionate farmer, one on one practice, and I, I can't wait to hear. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about our event, Chefs Supporting Ukraine, and uh, have some quiet time <laughs> once these steaks are off the grill. <laughs> On Cairo, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Yeah. Woo! Let's do it. Here we are. We're back in the Hot Stove Kitchen. We've got steaks on the grill. We've got breakfast sandwiches from... Uh, the Dahlia Bakery coming up. I have a little salmon scramble from Lola. Although Princess Di forgot my sausage. I'm just saying. 
Princess Di. Uh, it's time to talk. We're going to talk a little bit about Ukraine and Shesher Ukraine and all the the tragedy that's happening or unfolding over in the, that part of Europe. Uh, man, I was I was dumbfounded last night when I saw the shots being fired at the Ukrainian nuclear plant. I was just like, what the heck are we thinking here? Chef Terry and I, uh, are you going to come Sunday and, and uh, spend some money in one of the restaurants so they raise some cash for... I uh, probably will come after uh, 6 o'clock because I have to go o'clock? to a memorial from six from 4 right. to 6. So on this Sunday, if you're listening to this show Sunday evening, come on down after the show. Uh, we are going to donate all of the revenue that we take in after 4 p.m. till close uh, to the chef's... For Ukraine, cooking for Ukraine, uh, to the World Central Kitchen, who's feeding uh, millions of refugees at this point. So, I think it's super important, and we are. Uh, I'm just going to read a few things about it. All over the world, restaurants are rallying to fundraise, and you know, restaurants aren't in the best of shape from the COVID years. No, but I think uh, uh, restaurants are always there. First. Restaurants are always there. We cook for people. Many supporting World Central Kitchen, and a large contingent supporting UNICEF. With Cook for Ukraine. Cook for Ukraine started off as an idea between friends with a mutual love of food and a desire to help those in need. And that simple hashtag at Cook for Ukraine would lead to the beginnings of a global movement. Cook for Ukraine aims to increase awareness of the humanitarian crisis the world faces right now, as well as raise funds needed to aid children and families in Ukraine who have been displaced by the current situation. If you are ignorant of what's going on and i mean that in the in the actual definition if you just don't know what's going on over there you have to educate yourself uh, about what's going on uh, it is tragic uh, since its inception hundreds of people from different backgrounds and nationalities have reached out and shown their solidarity by joining this initiative at cook for ukraine cooking and baking and sharing ukrainian and eastern european inspired dishes at their restaurants with their guests at home with their friends and across social media with their family and followers. At Cook for Ukraine also provides a platform for Ukrainian families and their supporters to share recipes with each other. And we're going to do a recipe, a classic Ukrainian potato pancake, later in the show. That's the part I like that I think resonates with you, is the sharing of food together to work out our differences and have conversations. Absolutely. Something you wrote last night really touched me about that. It's like this gathering and sharing a meal could end wars. As soon as you put food on the table, or even without a table, you know, you just take take your hands and start eating, and then the things change drastically. I I think the action of cooking for your neighbor is really... we talk about that at the hot stove all the time. When, when, whenever we have an event, like last night, I, I taught here at the hot stove, not last night, the night before. Uh, you know, before dinner, we hold hands, and it's not to be religious or anything like that. We hold hands and we thank the people who grew our food. Yeah. And we thank the people that cooked our food, as because here at the hot stove, we often cook for each other, right? And then at the end of our, our cooking session, we sit down and have a meal together. So it's, um, it's super empowering uh, when it comes to. World peace. You know, get around the table. Have a meal. We practice the uh, PIG, which we, the acronym PIG for before the dinner, which is what you're proud of, what you're grateful for, uh-huh. and what you are... Um, What's the I? Inspirational. Insp- inspired by. Inspired by. Yeah. So it's always a good little technique. You just go, okay, let's do PIG. And uh, so you go through the three different 
feeling than you get from the day of or from the time. Well, exactly. So you can join the movement by hosting your own at Cook for Ukraine supper club or bake sale, inviting your friends and suggesting a donation to just to this uh, just giving page. Share pictures on social media by adding at Cook for Ukraine hashtag to connect with your community. All proceeds will be directed to UNICEF's UK Ukraine appeal, supporting children and families. Get cooking, which we're going to do here at the hot stove. Pam's going to tell us about that. Share your pictures, share your recipes, share your stories, all on social media by adding the at Cook for Ukraine hashtag. Every uh, restaurant, hotel, cafe, bar owners and operators can add a voluntary pound, two pounds or five pound donation to the bill throughout the month of March. So go to at Cook for Ukraine. And that's a little bit different. We're, we're raising money for different ones. The one we're doing this Sunday is for the World Central Kitchen. This is for UNICEF. Yep. And then we have another thing coming up here at the hot stove. Which is for CARE, uh, CARE. their U- Ukrainian crisis fund. And on March 18th, we've partnered with Ukrainian community members. So we're actually going to have some wow. authentic music. This was all inspired by Tom's partner, Eric Tanaka. His wife was in Kiev. Uh, when trouble started burbling up and then was told to come home. By the State Department, yeah. By the State Department, but she developed an incredible respect and affinity for the Ukrainian people, and this is just tearing her apart as a young mother, you know, hearing about the people living in the subways and uh, giving birth. Uh, As of this morning, 22 babies were born in the subway Uh of Kiev because they're down there for protection. So uh, she was uh, chose care in a crisis fund. And we're, uh, we're, we're having a tremendous response from the community. We have a Ukrainian baker that's going to make a sweet treat. And then we have a live feed uh, from a refugee who is uh, taking safe harbor in Poland who's going to do a sing-along with us. Oh, I can't wait. That's so awesome. <laughs> and we're going to eat borscht. And we're going to eat borscht. Yeah. All with the effort of getting around the table, uh, 100%. I know it's 100 bucks for a ticket, right? Yep. And uh, 100% of that $100 goes to care. care. And so we're not, in case anyone's thinking nope. dark sides of us, this is not who we are. We are, we are helping um, like we always do. We try to be helpful and... And raise money for good causes, and this is this is super certainly- exciting. The uh, support, and I think the blessing of being sitting sitting in Seattle, Washington, is also quite grand. Because yes, the restaurants come out and do all these efforts, but I tell you one thing: the community in Seattle, they always come through. They come up in big throne with their money, and they just show the support. So. That's what I'm stunned by, and that's what I'm reading in every major city in the world. Yeah. The chefs that are coming together. Yeah, it's fun. To the, the chefs come together, and then the, the community follows right behind it. And here we're very we blessed. We can't do it. I mean, we know how to cook. We know how to feed people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we often say at our company, uh, we love the fact that some people can walk through our front door, but we always feel a responsibility for those who can't, right, right? who come to the back door. And it's not that we feed them direct from the back door, but we do our work with Food Lifeline with Ballard Food Bank, do all the work that we can do right. to feed people no matter whether they can afford our restaurants or Absolutely. not. Absolutely. So that's a really important it's thing. It's not that hard. And yeah. having watched so many of our employees uh, back at the beginning of COVID, uh, before we knew about the uh, unemployment extra, before we right. knew about PPP, before any of that, uh, to, many of them had to go to the food bank within a couple of weeks of, um, of COVID. Yeah. So, 
Uh, it was um, tragic times, and it's even worse now. That's hard to pivot from. It is. It is <laughs> certainly hard. Uh, we're going to talk um, with Richard Griffiths now. He's got the Palouse River Premium Beef Company, and uh, Terry's been busy cooking up some of the steaks, and we're going to learn about uh, the different breeds and uh, how to try and tell the difference in flavor of beef. Not all beef tastes the same. That's just And they're definitely not all created equal either. That's true. When we come back on the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Welcome back to the Hot Stove Society Radio Show. It's Chef Tom Douglas. And Terry Rotiro, the chef in a hat. Thanks for joining us. As a reminder, you can join us here in the studio on Friday mornings. We're typically taped from around 9 to 11 and see all the behind-the-scenes magic like Beth is doing right now. <laughs> is it magic, Beth? It's magical. <laughs> it's magical when we're taping. And uh, this is the last week we are broadcasting on Facebook Live. For all you Facebook Live listeners, uh, we are moving to YouTube to build a channel for our whole company and to gain wider connectivity with the food lovers around the, the world because our, we are listened to around the world, you know? Oh, it's true. true. I'm not saying that we it's like crazy numbers, Absolutely. but we often get emails and stuff from people that are in uh, Philadelphia or Minneapolis or different places, especially the South. A lot France. of the Seattle people are, are wintering in the South, so uh, they, they listen to us online down there. in Palm Springs and playing golf while we're yeah. up here freezing our buns up. <laughs> That's not um, really Richard Griffiths is here. He is of the Palouse River Premium Beef Company. And uh, we're going to find out a little bit about his background, how he got into this. Because, Richard, I don't know if you know this or not, but I own part of a bison herd, a bison company in Montana. And so uh, that's my whole background in getting into the beef business or bison business is about two minutes. Yours, on the other hand, he was telling me about coming in the Cafe Sport sure. 35 years ago, so uh, yours is a little bit more extended. So how'd you get into this whole process, and what what makes you crazy about it, and what do you love about it? It evolved. Yeah. I didn't go into purchasing the ranch with the notion that I was going to be raising beef to the scale that I am. I was born and raised in Seattle, carpenter by trade. Um, absolutely loved the city, mm-hmm. loved going to your restaurants with my children. And a friend of mine had some property up near Samish Island. I'd bring the kids up, six acres, and I watched the kids run around and play, and I thought, you know, I want one of these. Uh-huh. And then um, kind of p- played around with it. And another friend of mine who was an electrical contractor on a job, Ron Steele, he had a property in Montana, and he'd bring me flyers of ranches that were 1,000 acres or 2,000 acres worth their own lake. And I thought, I really want one of these. And affordable. <laughs> they were. Yeah, fairly yeah, was, affordable. I mean, land is cheaper there than it is in western Washington. And I own some real estate in Seattle that I was able to do a swap with. Uh-huh. But, and then three real prominent figures in my life. My former employer, Arnie Vimo, Jim Sweeney with Alki Lumber, and the friend that had the six acres. They died. And I thought... I don't want to be one of those guys that's sitting on the couch years from now thinking, I wish I would have. Uh-huh. So my youngest boy and I, we kind of got on a mission. And for seven years, we take a couple road trips every year. We just pick a town in Washington, Idaho, and Oregon. And we go spend two or three days and look for a ranch. And we came back once with our heads low. And my youngest boy and his mom went upstairs in the computer and they found this ranch. And they said, Dad, honey, come look. 
So I went up there, and there was this gorgeous place. Uh-huh. But it was crazy money. And, but I thought, it's still for sale, so I wonder what the number is. Right. Because so, you, you never know. Never know. Yeah. So uh, we tried to find it, talked to a realtor, didn't go through. So we went to this Colfax, never heard of Colfax, drove around asking people, where's Elberton? Uh-huh. And it was a deserted town that raised uh, prunes. They made dates. Or excuse me, prunes. Prunes, right, from plums, and, um, yeah. So we didn't find it. And then I ran an ad in the local paper, wanted local farmer ranch. and In we, that particular area. Yeah. yeah. You see, and we met a, another family there, the Gilchrist, who are s- second or third generation farmers. And we put them on the paper for a reference. And one day the phone rang. And this guy said, I think I got your ranch. My wife will be home. Call her up. So I did. And it was the same one we went and looked for two years before. Isn't that and crazy? And I had the flyer. I kept it. My hair stood up, and I said, we'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. So we went and looked. I said, it's too much. I can't afford it, but this is what I've got. And I said, we can sharpen our pencils and see if we can put it together. And over the course of 10 months, you know, at the dinner table with the kids, we'd talk and they would say, Dad, you know, I don't know if I want to move. We're nervous. And I said, well, what are you afraid about? Or what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. So they'd share their fears, and we'd talk. I said, well, what are your wishes? So what was great is everybody got on board. And we were able to buy the original homestead, which was in 1891, because it had been broken up. And later on, I found out that it was used to be Curtis Cattle Company. It was a cattle ranch. That's mm-hmm. what Bob Curtis's dad homesteaded the place as. And I thought, this is cool. And I bought a couple of cows. My youngest boy and I went to uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And that's where we found Red Devon from reading an article. Uh-huh. Bought our first eight. And uh, Jeez, that's re- a commitment, eight cows. Yeah, well, now we've got a lot more. Well, I eight. bet you do, but still, <laughs> right, off, right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, and the closest thing to a cow we've had was a steak from the grocery store. Uh huh. But I'm a you know, recovering alcoholic too, so uh-huh. I don't usually just jump into stuff too small. So we ended up with a 600 acre ranch instead of six acres, like my friend. <laughs> uh-huh. And instead of a few cows, we've got a few hundred. Yeah. And um, another dear friend and mentor, Dr. Jerry Reeves, was a professor. I know at, Jerry Reeves. Yeah, yeah. There you go. He's uh, my neighbor at the other end of town. Oh, he, maybe I was thinking of the local guy here, a Seattle guy, Jerry Reeves. Died no, a few Dr. years Jerry ago. Dr. Jerry Reeves oh, okay. in uh, Pullman. Okay. He was instrumental in bringing the Wagyu over. I believe it was Ray White back in the early '90s. He introduced me to Wagyu, and I started playing around with that and. We moved over, and people commented that, how did you get your kids on board? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I didn't dictate them. We all had conversations at the dinner table about fears and desires. And when we pulled the plunge, everybody was excited. Mm-hmm. And one of my happiest moments there, shortly after we got there, was I was up on the top of the hill building fence, which I'd never done. <laughs> But as a carpenter, so yeah. And I looked down in the barnyard, and my daughter was in one section doing something. 
And my other son was in another section doing something. And my other boy was down at the other end. And I said, it doesn't get any better. Yeah, yeah. right move. And your wife's still on board? No. <laughs> no. That's a hard one. <laughs> it is. It was a heartbreaker, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Absolute, a uh, lot of tears shed, pal. Yeah, that's, um, well, I've driven through that area. You know, that is... That's the end of the earth. It's demanding. For, compared to like being in Ballard. And if you look <laughs> at the, is the end of the earth. If you look at the website, it's, it's drop dead gorgeous. It's oh, got I know. Two, yeah. Almost two miles of the North Fork of the Palouse running through it. Uh-huh. And we're able to buy the canyon. Wow. It's, uh, it, like Colfax is highest per capita, in, I think they say, in churches and banks. <laughs> and I'm invited to church quite regular. Uh-huh. I, I'm not a church going guy. Yeah. But I have a strong sense of being directed. And I up on the top of the hill feeding the fat boys in the morning. I look down and I think it doesn't get any better wow. than this. Look what I've done. Look at the, look what you know, I've got. And you really, you're a caretaker, right? Because that, that land is there before you. It'll be there after you. So it's it, kind of how you take care of it in the meantime. And it's, my ki- it's, it's about my kids. Yeah. Is yeah. What, and they're on board 200%. It's... Mm-hmm. They are the love of my life. It's, the hierarchy is my children and then my cows. And you don't mess around. <laughs> Where do Terry and I fit in here? <laughs> you guys, we're not on the spectrum yet. I don't think we're on the spectrum. <laughs> You're working your way up pretty quick. Yeah. We'll see how you like the beef. Well, we're going to spend the next segment talking about all sorts of cool things when it comes to cattle ranching that maybe you hadn't thought of, which is breeds, uh, production. I know in, our, in my little bison world, we're looking at a mobile uh an msu mobile slaughter unit Avatar, uh, yeah. uh, you know all those kinds of things that it takes to run a successful ranch so uh, i'm looking forward to that in our next segment we're talking with richard griffiths he's uh, got the palouse river premium beef company over in the palouse oddly enough near colfax Beautiful right story yeah it's uh, garfield is the proper town but okay. it's not known colfax is known as because you go through there, typically you'll go to Pullman. Okay, good. That's when we come back on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. And we're back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo. The chef in the chapeau has got his mouth full of Absolutely. A Denver Wagyu or Denver cut. Yeah. Wagyu steak. Absolutely fantastic. So we've, you've cooked off two different steaks here. Oh, by the way, we're with Richard Griffiths. I have, some, I have a hard time saying that name. Uh, from the Palouse River Premium Beef Company. We heard his story about how he got his ranch. And now we're going to talk about the beef itself. And Chef, uh, without Richard jumping in here to tell us the difference, what did you feel about what you had? So you had the, so the uh, Denver, Wagyu Denver. Right. And then what was the other one you had? You had the Terrace Major from just uh, just the regular Red Devon, right? Oh, they're both Wagyu? Correct. Okay. It's a Red Devon Wagyu cross. Okay. So what did so you think? So my, my, uh, the Denver, is obvi- it reminds me of a New York. I mean, that's in a, in a really good New York, not just a simple New York. It's really beautiful meat, nice. Uh, the texture of the meat and the flavor of the meat is just so beautiful because it tastes like there is no... I don't know. There is no pear in it. It's just beautiful beef flavor. Okay. I like the, the, the depth of it. And then but the Terrace Major is a little tougher, right? No, nah, I, think, I think what I like about the Terrace Major is actually the personality of it, which is not 
as lean. Uh-huh. It's got a little bit more going on. I love tress measure. It's one of my favorite cuts in the beef. So Really? I test. Oh, yeah. I, love. I wouldn't say that I've had it very often enough to know that. Oh. Personally. So. We used to have it at Lule for the steak frites. Uh-huh. That was awesome. And we actually had that look for a while, too. There we go. Yeah. Um, Richard, welcome back to the show. Uh, tell us about what we're eating in front of us, and um, you, you're free to criticize how Chef Terry cooked it if you'd like to, or because to me it's perfect. He's he's my dreamboat. I'm trying to be a rancher, and I don't even won't even come close to trying to be a chef. I tell love us to a, cook. Yeah. But okay, a, so tell us about what we're eating and and how you figured out the crosses to put on your on your ranch. This is a red Devon Wagyu cross, and. So Red Devon is the name of a breed. Another breed of animal. Right. And Wagyu is a... Is a specific breed. Wagyu is a Japanese breed. The Red Devon is an Old English. Okay. And I chose the Red Devon from reading an article, and they're not known, and they're a breed that hasn't been commercialized much, Mm -hmm. but they're incredibly docile, uh, weather-resistant, both to hot and cold. They're just absolute sweethearts. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, we've got a number of those, as well as the Wagyu. And I crossed them just as a hunch. Uh-huh. Um, I have no training whatsoever in what I'm doing. But I, I've run on, uh, I'll say, hunches, uh-huh. whether I'm guided to something. Intuition but anyway, is always a good thing. Sure. We've got, I just tell people we have four different flavors of beef. Between the Red Devon being the most mild, it's a step up from pork. If you didn't know it, you'd think you were looking at a... Right, it looks lighter like pork when you have the ground tell beef. Tell people it's the yeah. other protein for those folks that don't like beef. Yeah. Working your way up from half to three-quarter or full-blood Wagyu, the richness increases. Mm-hmm. And we did a tasting at uh, another potential client yesterday, and owner chef Daisley Gordon from Cafe Campagne accompanied me or i accompanied him uh-huh. but he cooked a number of my steaks and some grind from the different animals and it was wonderful in that there was a number of people there and no one person liked each one specifically right and my notion is it's like wine or cheese and it changes mm-hmm. yeah so no absolutely i think it is exactly what it is it's like wine and cheese exactly it changes per each cow is different. Each piece is different. And these all eat alongside of each other. Right. They're for about a year. We feed them on a low concentration of corn and high-quality hay. It's all local grown from neighbors. And a number of them have been amazingly supportive of me. Because there's been some hellacious challenges. I get passionate what I do, but I'm not a salesman. Uh-huh. And I've knocked on a lot of doors and given out a lot of free beef to get stumbled up. How's right, that? right. But Daisley has done amazing. And Jesus Sanchez, the two chefs at Cafe Campagne, it's just a treat to be there. They get excited about my beef. They're creating new recipes to fit it into the menu. Uh-huh. Well, let's, let's go back a step then to the marketplace. Uh, you know, you're knocking on doors trying to make... A sale because, because why? So in my mind, if you're just going to sell to IPB, or I like the Tyson Meat Company in Pasco. Oh no! I mean, if you're just moving into commodity beef, that's another whole game, right? right. No, I'm. And looking- so you've got these animals you have to move, 
but you want the only way to really make money as the rancher is to get a premium price before a premium quality that you've put into it, right? Yes. You can't just sell it off as commodity beef or you'll be out of business. And nor is it probably of interest to you. So how did you get to a point where you could turn this around and make money? I'm not making money yet. (laughs) But that's the other part of it is that it's not just about the money. I'm passionate about my cattle and I want to and need to sell them. Yeah. But I've also told people, no, I'm not going to sell you my beef because I didn't believe or let's just say like who and what they represented. And I was like, it doesn't fit my business profile. How's that? Right. And I'm a handshake guy. I got a flip phone, and if it rings, I answer it. And I'm the only one to talk to. There is mm-hmm. no front desk gal or accountant or manager or anybody else. And I'm looking for a relationship. Uh-huh. And I've had meat distributors that wanted to sell it, but they basically want to bend my tail end over a barrel and take the high cut mm-hmm. after never stepping in a pile of crap in their life. Right. And there's nothing really glamorous about what we do, but it is so cool that I invite people to come by and experience it. Right. It's and the care you give is definitely something that, pardon you know, me? the care that you give oh, to my, your, your... They're my girls. Yeah. We've so, had calves in the living room that weren't doing well, yeah. and we've got two bottled calves now in the barn. There's Roger and Skookum. Yeah, it's, it's... I'm moved by them in a manner that I've never been able to explain. I bought a couple... Fell in love with him. Ruby, who was one of our Red Devons, and we had Bright Eyes and Lucky Seven, on and on and on. But <laughs> I've searched for why, and I don't know that I'll ever come up with it, but I moved to tears. And when I'm down on the bottom with the girls, it's a moment. Yeah. And it's something I love to share with whomever is interested. Right. Well, let's uh, stop there for a second because we only have a minute left, and I want people to know how they can get some of your beef. At Northwest Meats in Olympia, uh-huh. um, Cafe Campagne at Post Alley in the Pike Place Market, um, Como Restaurant in Kirkland, Gabrielle's and I have been talking here lately, and we're going to have some in his restaurant in the Cantonitas? Cantineta, Cantineta, yeah. Cantineta, yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll be in there in the middle of April. We had some there for a trial run a while back, and I guess there was a couple of football players that really enjoyed from the Seahawks uh-huh. the tomahawk steaks and I don't know if I should divulge names but no no we'll just leave it at that <laughs> it was no. uh, and by the way there's only so many tomahawk steak on the 1200 pound steer so you betcha let's talk about the tres major and <laughs> <laughs> well good so northwest uh, who's going to ship and uh, pack and ship northwest we meats? get it everything's processed at pure country USDA so if I'm just saying if somebody wants to call and get us if a, somebody a delivery wanted, to their home they call me. Okay, call you. And I'm on the website. You can email me. And I, we do sell quarters, halves, and holes to private people. And it's custom cut. And we have cuts that most people haven't heard of. Well, I might be calling you for that because... Yeah, we quarter. Took, uh, let's get we, a quarter. We got a half of our neighbor's steer last or 18 months ago, and that didn't work out. And I think it was the way it was uh, handled wasn't the steer itself. Okay, thank you so much, Richard. Thank you. The Palouse River Premium Beef Company is the name. Go online, find it, order some. Let us know what you thought. Uh, When we come back, uh, we're going to talk with John Yeager from Bloodworks Northwest and Mike Salvatore about the Savor Life Blood Drive. On Cairo, the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. (laughs) 
All right, we're back. It's time for hour number two of the Hot Stove Society Radio Show on Cairo. <laughs> Chef in the Chapeau. I'm here with you, Tom. I'm, I feel like I'm getting the meat sweats after those yeah, last couple bit. of segments. It, I was but delicious beef. So tasty, so tasty. Good fun. Uh, we Like I said, we have another hour. We're still going to have food for thought tasty trivia at the end of the show. Brought yep. to you by Rub With Love. Feeling good today. Uh, we're going to talk about your cruises that you take, uh, that you love to go on and, and lead. And what does that mean? We're going to b- talk about Daruni. Do you know what Daruni is? It's a potato pancake from Ukraine. From Ukraine. We're going to celebrate... What's left to celebrate uh, in Ukraine, which is the spirit of the Ukrainian people, and celebrate making food and getting around the table and having a conversation with somebody rather than shooting them. And to see how high their spirit stays over there is moving. But first, we're going to talk with John Yeager from Bloodworks Northwest. Yep. And uh, talk about the need for blood out there and uh, uh, what we can do for the Savor Life Blood Drive. Tom, you know, the last time I was in this studio was a little over two years ago. I was here for a potsticker love class <laughs> three weeks before, before COVID. COVID hit. Yeah. And when I come back here, I, it's, it's, it feels great. It just feels great. It's, uh, what I found with my joints as we've reopened, it's like deja vu. You, you know, we've been close. Well, here we were close for a year uh, for people. But like walking into Lola after 18 oh. months closed... And it was deja vu. It was just like, okay, let's just open up again. I get goosebumps thinking about what you just said right now. Yeah, it's so amazing. So tell us about your your blood drive and why it's so important. We were talking about the pandemic, and um, almost overnight, we got hit with, uh, we were hit with about a 60% uh, decrease in our blood supply because we couldn't, we had social distancing. So you had to make, we didn't take walk-ins anymore because people needed the six-foot distance. The beds had to be apart no more blood mobiles no more high school blood drives all of that stuff gone almost overnight so we had to start looking for new ways to reach out to different communities to different uh, you know a lot of young people but a lot of communities like the music community and then this program that we're going to talk about the culinary community and that's why mike uh, salvador and i are here to talk about that because um you've probably heard in the news about a national blood shortage Mm -hmm. well it's the worst it's been in 10 years and uh, it's just time for us to reach out to these different communities and address this. We've got about a one-and-a-half-day supply of blood right now. A few weeks ago, it was less than you know, a day. What does that mean? Well, if I've got an elective surgery at a hospital, I can't get that elective surgery. We have to have enough blood on hand for emergencies. So if you have a shooting downtown, which is what happened a couple of years ago, you have a shooting downtown, there may not be enough blood on hand. And well, so can how I just you- stop you for one second? Because I'm really... <laughs> We have shootings everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I, people always want to put them downtown, but there's shootings everywhere. I'm just thinking about, yeah, you're right, the stuff that makes the headlines. And I'm thinking about Amtrak 501 a few years ago. Yeah, we, that was a big deal. We were able to give uh, 150 units blood to the hospitals in that area. I don't think we could do that today. It would be a stretch. It would t- require a lot of ingenuity and moving blood around. And a, just, a, it's... Not as easy as it, it's never been easy, but it's it's just, so we're in a situation now where it's an emergency, so we have to reach out, and that's, uh, what I call it is a perfect storm. You know, you have the social distancing issue, then, which you guys know about the staff shortages. Right. Okay, so we lost about 20, 25% of our, uh, our, our, you know, job force, and now we're slowly hiring them back. 
But what does that mean? So if I've, we've got a, a, a donation center in Federal Way, they don't have somebody, they don't have staff for Friday afternoon. What, are those, what happens to those appointments? They have to get canceled. Mm-hmm. And we have a number of people in the past few months that have been no-shows. Well, what happens to those, those appointments? Remember, we're by appointment yeah. only. You right. can't just walk right. in anymore. Right. Hey, I can't go. If I don't tell those guys that the 2.30 appointment on Friday is open, nobody sits in that bed and gives blood. Right. So um, it's been a – and I'm not – you know, I'm just saying that this is, this is tough times, and we're just starting to emerge out of it. But the, the way we're going to make it is by partnerships with, uh, with the culinary community uh, here in town. And, um, Mike, do you want to talk about how, how um, our two organizations have worked together and how you've brought a number of these chefs to the table, so to speak? I owned an advertising marketing agency for 13 years. I sold it. And um, I really wanted to give back to the community I live in, the community I love. So we do marketing consulting for nonprofits and um, different causes. When I heard about this cause, we thought there was a really fantastic opportunity to create partnerships within the community to make the story of blood shortage and the story of blood donation not something that was just heard as an emergency, but it was heard as a community message. And Terry, you now know the message and Tom knows the message. You can tell people that you know and people in your restaurants. And that's what felt uh, really important to us is to get the message to the ground level so that they weren't hearing it just from Bloodworks. They were hearing it from you. Right. And so uh, we, did, we started this campaign last September with a music-focused uh, program where we really in- engaged the music community to come together to help tell the story of the importance of blood donation. Um, it was a four-month program. We had a goal of trying to hit 10,000 new and re-engaged blood donors by the end of the year, and we were able to do that. Um, we got a lot of excitement, and there was just a, a lot of um, push for it. And so we thought there was a really interesting opportunity, Seattle, Portland being such a foodie community, to work with the culinary community to do that. So we started reaching out to people we know, friends that we knew in the industry, and um, the the support has been overwhelming from Tom to Terry to Ethan Stoll to Uber Eats to... Jason. Jason, Jason Wilson Jason to Wilson. Seattle Restaurant Week, the the outpouring of support from this community, which has been so incredibly hard hit over the last couple of years, um, has been astounding. And so our goal is to continue building these partnerships, not with just our current coalition, but to continue to grow the coalition. So any small business that's in the culinary space can be part of this message. Save her life, save a life. It's a really simple message for someone to hear, and that's what we'll be doing over the next four months. And this can spread all over the country easily. And so uh, you're asking people to come now and make an appointment yep. so that it, everything can be sterilized and be ready for them to oh, show yeah. up and yep. handled uh, properly in the era of COVID. Not that it wasn't before, but yeah. And so and then you're getting some good response. And oh, yeah. I know that... Um, it's something that I have never done other than when I wanted to get my own blood tested. Tom, you make an appointment, and I'll be there with you, and I'll get a picture. Do you hold my hand? I will hold your hand. Okay, good. It I, will not hurt, I guarantee you. I have one for Sunday the 20th. I couldn't find anything else. That's You're, awesome. So if you want to know more about Saver Life uh, Blood Drive, go to, to uh, Bloodworks Northwest, 
and you can find out more about it and make an appointment. It's just like uh, Pam and I are going to do, aren't we, Pam? We're going. Yes. We're going together. I'll go with you if again. You'll have us. I'll be there to hold your hand. All right. When we come back, <laughs> we're going to continue with Mike a little bit uh, and uh, the blood drive, uh, and talk about uh, fifty-eight stars food and wine tours. Which, Chef Terry, you are uh, waiting a few tours there. Absolutely. Uh, on Cairo, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, ninety-seven-three FM. We're back in the Hot Stove Society kitchen. Thank you for staying with us. Hopefully, during the break, you made an appointment with uh, Bloodworth Northwest uh, to give blood uh, during the Saver Life campaign. Chef Terry, um, yes, I have an appointment. Good. Mike Salvadore is here to talk about uh, not only Saver Life uh, blood donations, but also the food tours that you guys are are part of. And I'm curious, and I know Pamela was curious. We always talk about, hey, Terry's giving this blah, 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 but we don't really know, like, where do you get on the boat? What do you do when you're on the boat? How do you get off? Actually, actually, so just so it's clear, this is not the boat. This is actually just a regular trip. Oh, this is a tour tour. This is not a cruise, like on the oh, river. This is actually, I thought you were going on the river soon. I am, but that's a different company. I mean, I, Mike is oh, a nice guy, but uh, well, I, knew, I knew someone else before him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, the tour that I'm doing on the Rhone Valley in, at the end of May is with Northwest Travel, which is a ah, local... See, I was confused. Yeah, see, our listeners must be totally confused. And it's with three winemakers. Uh-huh. But the tours that I do with 58 stars is what I actually do all the time, which is the trip that are customized, that are small group, 14, 16 people, where you can actually sit around the table in any restaurant or any place you go around the world... And you can actually have a conversation when you're taking a walk through the streets. If somebody wants to stop, it's not a big deal. You know, when you're with 100 people, you can't do all that. But this is very customized and very friendly and very tight. So you actually become very close friend with all the people on board, uh, you know, who are uh, on the the trip with you. And the cool part about this is it's totally customized. So if we feel like going to this market, we go to this market. You want to go see this chef and have a cooking demo? We go see that chef and have a cooking demo. You want to go for a camera? What about if I want to sleep in? You want to sleep in? It's actually, we let you sleep in if you want to. There is no, you know, there is no pressure of like, oh, we all got to be at 9.47 in front of the bus. Yeah. None of that. Yeah. It's all very cool and very relaxed, yet very fun and entertaining. And uh, all the people on board, since there is only 14 to 16 people on those trips, they're all in for the same reason. They want to have... Relax, good time, good food, good wine. You know, they want to experience. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's what I think it's providing. So yeah. did I do a good job marketing that? You did a really great job, too. Did I take your job over? You took I do my it? job over, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that um, really drew me to this industry after I sold my, my agency, a uh, marketing agency a few years ago, was that, um, you know, travel is kind of in all of our blood. No pun intended. But... It, it really is. But the way to travel is to travel in more custom crafted, more curated experiences. So many people will go to a tour and there'll be one of 100 people that go on a tour in a city. And it's not the way to really explore and enjoy that city. So what we wanted to do is create customized, really crafted experiences that made you understand the community and the destination a little bit more. You got to meet with chefs. You got to meet with 
um, some really beautiful behind-the-scenes um, vendors or farmers or partners in those markets so that you felt like you not only were just seeing the destination, but you were part of the community. Um, you were meeting people on the ground that were part of the community. And so when we started working with Terry, it was to create working together with him to really figure out what things were in his mind as to where he wanted to go and what he wanted that's to see. That's a hard see. part. <laughs> Very hard part. Very that's, hard a, part. that's a demented place. <laughs> but we pulled it out of him. <laughs> and when we pulled it out, we've been able to create some wonderful trips to Australia and Tasmania, to Morocco, to... We've been to, to Vietnam. We've been to... And we're going in 23 to Ireland, Portugal, and then 24, India, South Africa... So there's all kind of different plans, you know, and it all starts with, where do you like to go? Where would you like to go? Uh-huh. And you say, well, you know what? I, I'm actually from France, but I've never been to Ireland. And it's such a beautiful country. You hear so many things. And then you watch Belfast and you're like, yeah, I want to go. <laughs> and then you get to talk to Terry along the journey. Yeah. I mean, how, <laughs> you how think amazing the, can you that You think be? the Irish accent is strong? Watch mine. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really great opportunity to see a destination in a new and different way with someone that you respect and you yeah. admire and being able to ha- hear them communicate with um, those chefs and, and um, on the ground as well. So um, we do a lot of these. You can, you can check us out at 58starstravel.com. We're on Instagram at 58starstravel. And um, you'll be seeing a lot more as we go into 23 because, of course, this industry was also hit really right. hard by COVID. Yeah. But it's really started to come back and people are just itching to, to go away. Yeah, I think there's going to be a little spring that's going to bring a lot of people out because once we just say mask off, I think people are going to start flying everywhere. I just was booking tickets to Scotland. Uh, I belong to a golf club in Scotland and... When I started looking at tickets uh, maybe six weeks ago, they were one price. Now they're literally double the price. Mm, yeah. uh, oh, my God, yeah. go to Scotland, yes. Yeah, so. Well, I mean, not, don't forget the fuel prices are going up, too. Well, that's, that's for sure, but that's not why. I mean, there's just more people traveling. Yeah. More people traveling. Yeah. This and, summer is going to be very busy in Europe. Uh, it's, and less plane flying, too. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, demand, demand. So, yeah, good place to be. Airline schedules changed dramatically over right. the course of the last couple of years. And so you're right. There are less planes flying. And so that means the prices go up. But, yeah, this summer, um, travel in Europe will be very busy as people really try to get back to a bit of normalcy. And, um, you know, there's a lot of really safe and um, healthy uh, things that they've done over the course of the last two years to kind of streamline the process of travel as well. So um, I think it's a really great opportunity to start thinking about travel, thinking about it in new and different ways that feels a little bit more connected to that space versus just seeing what everyone sees, Mm -hmm. because that's not really the way to explore. What you really want to do is be able to explore in a little bit more in depth. Yeah, I think that's... What's What's the the favorite thing, Terry? I mean, the way I think about your trips that you do, you're, you're off to this market, right? You've... Maybe did some research and you picked out a market that sounds good. Do you have any idea when you head into the market what you're going to cook that day? No. Or do you think that it's so... Because that's hard for 15 people. Right. It's hard to just well, be... Well, we don't, we don't do cooking. like It's not the way... Like I don't go every so, day to the market and do cooking for everybody. You don't cook a dinner for us? No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, not, not on the skewer like that, no. Unless it's planned, yes. Like in Cusco, for example, when I was in Peru, I did this cooking for the group for 17 mm. people. 
I thought I was going to die. The elevation was so high. I was in the kitchen going, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what is going on here? Nobody warned me about that part. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I perfectly know. I knew what was going on. I was just, it was rough. It was like, you know, it's like. Well, that a, makes a difference. then. if you don't have to. But we went to the market. We, you know, I bought everything there. And it was really fun. It was a very fun experience. That's what I like. I like to be. I'm like you. I like to cook for people. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a fun thing to do. But not all trips are actually based on that because uh-huh. some trips are a little bit more complicated. Uh-huh. Uh, but going to restaurants is definitely one of my passions as well as you. Right. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with going to and have someone else cook for you and really enjoy the differences of And do you discuss and, it as a group? And, you know? usually, usually we have it pre, pre-ordered. You uh-huh. know, like, uh, you know, we, said, we say, okay, so we have this, this trip and then we have these restaurants that we're going to go to. And places we're going to go to and wineries we're going to visit and, and all that. This is all, all before you, you start flying, yes. And so people definitely know what they're going to be up against. And, you know, they're all on board because otherwise they wouldn't be signing up. Exactly. All right, if you want to know more about all of that sort of thing or the don't forget the Bloodworks Northwest, 58 Stars Food and Wine Tours is the name of that. Take a peek. I mean, nothing's really set in stone at this point on your schedule. But uh, if you want to keep an eye on that, uh, Chef oh, Terry... Sign up for the newsletter for sure. John, thanks again. Thank you, Tom. Uh, John, thanks thank you. For I'll be from- there to hold your hand when you donate. You know that. <laughs> it's a promise. Well, what I really need is like a, some fried chicken or something it, while I'm giving blood. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. You'll <laughs> love it. it. It'll be great. We just dingle a little piece of bacon <laughs> right in front of your face. I just face. need a carrot. Well, not that guy. My carrot is fried chicken. Up next, we're going to talk about Daruni, potato pancake Ukrainian style. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Only two more segments to go here at the Hot Stove Society Radio Show on Cairo. Uh, Chef Terry. Yes, Chef Tom. Um, I don't want to make light of what we're going to talk about next because this is serious business for me. Yep. Uh, you know, I've been consumed by the Ukrainian reports and all the things that are going on. And I just don't know what to do. You sit here, you feel helpless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you don't know how to, I don't know how to respond other than my heart's breaking type of things. But for me, I think food. Like, how do you heal the world? To me, cooking for each other is one of the ways to do that. Uh, and so... Uh, well, one of the double-edged sort of this kind of story that happened often is like when the Iraq war broke out, where, you know, all those different things. The only good thing that comes out of it that I like, as far as I'm concerned, is the awareness that comes out of that. People are not aware beforehand, and then suddenly they know more than they want to know or more than they've ever known about, you know, Iraq or, in this case, Ukraine, for example. Uh Millions of people have been researching and looking up for more information about Ukraine. And I think that's the the great thing about the way the media works today. And I don't mean the the media that gives us the news. I mean the, the capability we have to get information is so grand and so big and so vast, actually. Um, I yeah, think it's, you have to believe the, you know, you have to be able to believe the information. That's really a struggle too. Right. I was watching them interview people in Russia, in Moscow, you know, yeah. uh, about uh, what's going on in Ukraine, and they say, you know, well, we're just getting rid of the Nazis. You know, th- these are there's lies out there that are being fed to people, and um, sometimes it's generational. Uh, right. The older generation, well, choosing to believe the the government, you know, straight up, and then. Um, the younger generation that lives on the internet, you know, even that has been curtailed. So, right. 
anyway, it's hard to get out there, so I feel helpless. I get getting back to the point of what to do. So we're raising money this weekend. Which we're is raising which money is, next week, right? Which uh, is where to start. You start where by- to start. But also, as I told Pamela last night in our email, that there's nothing much better to me than getting around the table with people, not being uncivil, being civil, even if you disagree, but being civil and conversing and maintaining a decorum and uh, you know having a conversation, listening. A lot of people talk but don't listen. Correct. Uh, and so uh, that, to me, is where this segment is heading. What do you serve at a table like that right now? And to me, I think of the lowest common denominator. What are most people going to be able to get their hands on? Um, when I was watching last night uh, the refugees in Poland, some of these countries that are surrounding the Ukraine have done such a beautiful job of of being ready to take on these refugees. Yeah. And in Poland last night, they were serving these hot meals to people, everyone, no matter how much they needed or how much they wanted for these kids, grandparents, obviously mostly no men at this point because they're all conscripted into the Ukrainian army right now. But uh, uh, it is just heartwarming to see the outpouring of help right. in such a tragic situation. So I decided I was going to try and make them at all the restaurants this weekend, this Daruni, which is a Ukrainian potato pancake. And we've made these. You've made latkes. Yeah, I mean, these are... These it's are very great. similar to a latka. Yeah. The only difference that I can tell in my mind what the difference between the Ukrainian potato pancake is in a classic recipe. And we got this recipe from uh, Natasha of natashaskitchen.com is that, you know, classically for me, when I make a latka and I take the onion, I grate it, and I take the potato and I grate it, and I squeeze it out dry. Sure. And in this particular potato pancake, you don't really see that. It's, right. The starches, the water's left in the onion, the water's left in the potato, and then it's bound with more flour than I would ever have used. Correct. Or I, sometimes I don't use any flour at all. I, I, just I, use I one try egg. to stay away from putting more flour in my... Yeah. There's already plenty of, of starch in there. And, I, and if you put an egg, you have your binder, you know, especially in a couple pancakes. So I, I stay away from putting flour in it, but... It's a, it's a little bit of a different texture. It's a bit more cakey when you had the flour. It's yeah, exactly. More... And the flour soaks up all that liquid. Correct. And so you end up with a creamier, probably a more traditional pancake. Correct. Like what we think of as a, f- a flour-based pancake. Right. With the, some potato in it. So the ingredients are uh, potatoes, onion, egg, flour, a, a little tablespoon of sour cream. I think that's for garnish, salt and pepper to taste. The way that I was going to make it... For Sunday night, I'm still trying to pick which restaurant I'm going to cook at Sunday night in our group. Uh, and just a reminder, Sunday, this coming Sunday, the 6th of March, if you come into any of our restaurants, six or 4 o'clock onwards, 100% of our revenue will be going towards uh, World Central Kitchen. So, But if I, I'm going to try and show up at one of the joints and make these potato pancakes. But I'm going to make like a classic way to serve this. In Ukraine, they eat them for breakfast and for dinner. Right. But at dinner time, you tend to see it with a mushroom gravy, like almost like a stroganoff kind of gravy. Yeah, that's right yeah. up your alley. Right up my alley. <laughs> so uh, that's what I'm going to try and do these potato can- pancakes with a, a mushroom gravy. And then I don't know what we'll sell them for. but You should sell a sta- uh, a $100. $1,000. You should s- sell that with a side of optional of sausage. A sausage or uh, they, a lot of applesauce. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm what has moved that. you about this week? It's been such a tragic week. I'm sure everything, but anything that where you feel like you can jump in and be of help? Well, um, as, as Terry said, the inspiration to do the research on the culture of Ukraine. Correct. Uh-huh. And that's why 
um, having Danica just having returned there, and each time she brought home some food or some art, or we had a party where we made Ukrainian headdress mm-hmm. uh, inspired by some of their folk traditions, and learning more deeply about the country. So that yeah. makes you more sympathetic and connected uh-huh. and distressed about what they're going through yeah. and their displacement and their fear, but their indomitable spirit. Mm-hmm. To fight this. It's incredible that they're making homemade Molotov cocktails to fight an army. Just how many years ago? 60, 80 years ago, 4 million were killed during the, during the Russian invasion yeah, during the by Russian Germany. Invasion. Yeah. yeah, so uh, talk about indomitable spirit. I don't, I don't know what Putin thinks he's going to do there, but... He's uh, not going to break them. He's not going to break them, I don't think. He's uh, not going to break their spirit, that's uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, not the way. Chef, what is uh, what has hit you this week? Uh, what, me, because you want to do something, right. and for me, making potato pancakes is like the. I know it sounds stupid, simplest. but it's like I got to do something. Yeah, to me, it's just like Pam just said. I mean, not to say the same thing, but just learning more about the the actual country, learning more about the situation of why why is this all happening? Why so you start going backwards and really pay attention to the detail of. How did we get here in the first place? And then the second place is, why is this happening? And the third one is, what are we going to do with all these people? Uh-huh. I mean, this suffering is completely ridiculous. It's enormous. It's, and it's enormous, yeah. And, and it's, it's savage. You know, it's like, I feel like the, the Stone Age again. You know, it's like, come on, we, we have to be better than this. We have to be able to communicate better. And uh, we need to start having women running the world, not men. It's, yes, it's enough, this is a big part of it, you know. It's that machoism and those testosterone need to move out of the side, and we'll use you to fight if we need to. But <laughs> don't call us; we'll call make you. Make the decisions. <laughs> Have the women make the exactly. decisions. Because I mean, it's just uh, it's it's annoying, and it's it's so sad. It's just so very sad. Well, I would challenge you, Chef. I I, I, I don't have a, any answers here other than I'm going to make some potato pancakes. Right. Uh, and uh, I would love to share them with whoever would like some. But I would say the same for all of us here at the hot stove, that we should all be making some potato pancakes and yeah. walk them over to a senior center or sure. do something to connect with people and the right. emotion of that process. Because that's what's missing in this. How do you go across a border with a 40-mile-long uh, transit line of tanks and soldiers and missiles and and look at people and then start shooting them. I, I, don't, I no. don't get... Oh, not if you're in it. No. What, the reaction there when you're in it is different than being sitting here 10,000 miles away. I understand. There's not much we can do about it 10,000. We, I mean, we're doing what we can do. But, right, exactly. But it has to start somewhere where we, we, have, we, we get more around the table. We get right. more around the dinner table. And you, we see it in our country in the red and blue states, right? Yeah. We're, in a, yeah. we're in a blue state, but only because of we're Seattle, 50, 50%. right? 50% when I drive over the mountains, the red just floods the place. Yeah. And the blue on this side of the mountains. Like, why does that have to be like that? Right. Why can't we just get around the table and... Why is there only two parties? <laughs> well, I don't know that that's a solution either, but... Well, but because still, it becomes yes and no. <laughs> we have some of the same issues. Luckily, we're not shooting at each other yet. Correct. Uh, but uh, I don't want to get to where we're shooting at each no. other. This is nonsense. Yeah. This is not the way to handle our problems. Correct. Um, Anyway, I'm sorry I went off on that rant, but make a no. potato pancake, damn it. And, uh, <laughs> make something. Make something world and share it with your neighbor pancakes. for world peace.
Yeah, I was looking exactly. yesterday on the, on the web. There is, I, I just put Ukrainian recipe. And there's 15 of them that came out, and they were all like something you can make. It's like a soup. It's like, a, you know, obviously the borscht. Know the first one that comes up is borscht. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm not making beet soup. Tom is like, beet soup? <laughs> yeah. We're going to have it, though. Uh, uh, are we? Yeah. Yeah, if you want to come to our dinner here at the hot stove, Pam and her team are going to uh, make borscht. Make borscht, and they're going to make a whole Ukrainian supper with some Ukrainian. And when is this again? Folk music. You can go to hotstovesociety.com, and it's on March 18th, I believe. Yes. Uh, next thing, the last segment, the Rub with Love Tasty Trivia Challenge, right here on the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Woo! Welcome back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, the chef in the chapeau. Yes, sir. Uh, Annie Elmore, the chef here at the Hot Stove Society, and myself, Tom, are going to play a, a, and enjoy and enjoy our company <laughs> in a round of Food for Thought Tasty Trivia brought to you by Rub With Love. Rub With Love is a family of spice blends that we make here ourselves uh, at the, in our Ballard Warehouse. Uh, tangy sauces and perfect mustard. Keep them in your pantry to dress up any meal. You can find Rub With Love in grocery stores like Whole Foods or in eastern Washington, Idaho. Visit Yolks Fresh Markets, or similar stores like Hoodsport Gifts in Hoodsport, Washington. Ken's Market, Market Time in Seattle. We're all over the place, and we're proud of it. Pamela, uh, Annie is going to be the loser today. And so, oh, uh, highly what, doubt it, Tom. Who is she going to have to ship my fabulous package of Rub With Love to? Our, our beloved guest, Beth. Way to go, Beth. <laughs> I told you. There's, there's, uh, there's uh, benefits to being the only guest in the house. <laughs> winner, winner. I wonder who's going to get... Uh... Oh. <laughs> so I've got five tough questions for each of you. As you can imagine, um, they're themed by beef Blood. and Ukraine and um, just some general nonsense. So Ooh, Let's th- go. Th- Let's go, Mr. Can't wait to the loser that. has to pay for shipping. Don't forget. To yes. Beth. Yep. Um, on the beef questions, I'm going to start with a description, and I'm looking for the answer of what the cut is. Okay. This large steak cut is named for a type of restaurant and contains the tenderloin and the top loin muscle. Um, the Del... Del Monaco. Del Starts that, with a that P. is a restaurant name. That is a but, restaurant name, right? But she's asking about the porterhouse steak. Oh, yeah. Oh! Oh, yeah. <laughs> the porterhouse steak. <laughs> uh, let, let's try another one. Yes. It is usually served for two, and it's named for a French diplomat. Would it be... You have three seconds, or I'm going to call it. Would it be the filet mignon from... Uh... It's like a wine company, or a wine... <laughs> Winery. Chateaubriand. Oh, oh, that's what you're looking for. Hello. <laughs> I was totally not there. I was trying to get to the beef Wellington, to the, which actually takes a Chateaubriand or a big loin. So, okay. anyway. Let's Thank move you. to you, Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. It's a, what is the <laughs> uh, most popular style of bread? They love their bread. They serve it with every meal. And what is the, their hallmark style of bread? Mm. I'm looking at Tom, and he's not looking at me. So um, <laughs> this is going to be hard. I'm going to say, yeah, it's like a flatbread idea, right? It's a oh. sourdough rye. Ah, the rye part. Hmm. 
Uh, Ukraine has a tradition of using plants for herbal medicine. Uh, they believe herbs and berries have been used to cure illnesses. Can you th- name any examples of medicinal herbs that they use? Fennel is one of them, or anise. Uh, I would say cumin, and I would say, let me think. Cumin, I always uh, think in that area of the world, licorice root. I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah. But like in Iceland, they used a ton of licorice root. I think all of those qualify. But tarragon, the answers tarragon. Uh, from the Ukrainian we- website were sage, chamomile, mint, burdock, and oregano as the most popular. Nice. A little bit more uh, Mediterranean than I was yeah. expecting. Do you, in America. Oh, we're uh, back in America. Yeah. Peanut butter consumption is very high. Um, do you think it is um, 100 million pounds, 200 million pounds, or 500 million pounds of peanut butter that we eat every year? I'm going to go with 300 million because 500 million seems a bit crazy. But like that's we, what we eat. Really? But where do we get where do we all these peanut? nuts from? Where I mean, are this, all the nuts coming from? Yeah, where's the this ground. legume? <laughs> where's this legume They're not growing? nuts. <laughs> Hate to break it to All you. Right. Legumes. They're legumes. I got a nice flat zero. That's awesome. <laughs> Annie, you ready? Looks to like just... I'm delivering to you. I think there. I only need one answer to beat you only Chef need Terry, one. so I think I'm good. All right. Capital of Ukraine. Here you go. Uh, back to the beef questions. This cut from the shoulder blade takes the name of an iconic New York building that is considered to be one of the first skyscrapers ever built. What cut are we describing i'll give you a clue it's a flat triangular iron. it's a triangular building she said it flat, flat iron. iron the flat iron building yep screaming i don't need your help you in the lead <laughs> it's a super cool building if you've never seen it the name of this cut from the side can almost uh, can also mean the extreme left or right side of an army when an army surrounds you what do they surround you with humans their flank. Flank steak? Flank steak, yay! Let's go to Ukraine. All right. What are their um, favorite hearty root vegetables? (laughs) Carrot? (laughs) Come on, what's the first one? Soup. Tom hates so much. um, Turnip. <laughs> mm, red, make it red, make it red. What's re- what's beets. a red? Yeah. Their favorite hearty root vegetables are beets, cabbage, and potato. Cabbage is not a root vegetable. I know, and it's at the cultural yeah. website. Um, <laughs> what are the preferred green finishing herbs that Ukrainians prefer? Dill. Yes. Woohoo! <laughs> Can you add a second? Parsley? Yes! <laughs> True or false for your final answer? Broccoli contains more protein than steak. No. That's false. true. Really? Yeah, we got to eat protein? more broccoli. Yeah. Wow. How did Annie do? We're ready for Mr. Douglas. She's got three. Three out of five. Did you give her flank steak? Well, I'm You're sorry. You're a generous man. Yes, I, I, maybe You're two a and a half. Wow. Two and a half. Generous man. That's two and a half. petty. That's All right, petty. Tom Douglas. That's petty. Um, what steak are we talking about when, that comes from the center of the diaphragm, flavorful but very tender towards the edges, uh, but sinewy in the middle, often called the butcher's tenderloin? Oh, yeah. 
Skirt steak or hanger steak? Hanger steak. Yay! From the end of a tenderloin, it is boneless but expensive. What you just gave me a couple cut, of facts. What is the cut called that is from the end of the tenderloin and is boneless and expensive? The sirloin tips? I'm not sure what you're asking. Um, filet mignon is the answer Why we're did you say for. from the end of the tenderloin? It, because the filet, is. the filet mignon is on the, uh, the end. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's okay. I, I don't mind taking one for the team. Oh, right. why? No, I think he's There's right. a tail of the tenderloin, right. which is the end of the tenderloin. But the filet is all the way up to you get to what you might want to cut as a double filet, which is the chateau. I'm going to have to bring on the experts for a trivia, because this is from the U.S. Beef Council. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Let's Woo. go to Ukraine. What do they know about beef? What, um, <laughs> in addition to sour cream, what is the other... Uh, Popular fermented dairy product. Uh, I'm going to go with yogurt. Yes. We'll give you 0.5. Kefir. Kefir. Same thing. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Bread, as we mentioned, is uh, popular and served at every meal. Uh, bread and salt were once considered necessary for health. Today's hosts give guests bread with salt. Bread is a symbol of what? And what is salt a symbol of when they offer them to their guests? Friendship. Yes, the salt is for the friendship, and the bread is a symbol of hospitality. Yeah. Um, what is a cluster of bananas called? Uh, I've heard it before. I'll but say I... a finger. A finger of bananas. A cluster of bananas is called a hand, and a single banana is called a finger. Ooh, so, so you get a half a point for that. Yep. <laughs> Oh, does he have was, one more? I don't think so. I think that was no, it. No, he's got it. Okay. Five. All right. And today's and winner. Way to go, Annie. Nice job. And I'll deliver the goods. Thank you, Beth. If uh, you want to be part of the show like the fabulous Beth, you can join our community. Not anymore on Facebook Live, but at the YouTube Hot Stove Society radio show. You're listening to us on Cairo Radio 97.3. The show is produced by Pamela Hinckley, Sean McFadden, and Sean Don't Call Me Del Torre. And remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show in Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. And don't forget between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sunday to come to one of Tom's joint and support Ukraine. Chefs for Ukraine. Have a great weekend.